How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. This is the third part of our Memorial Day mailbag. Thank you, first off, for listening to the first two parts. You guys have been great, and you guys have been asking even more questions since those first two parts. So um, always great to have that interaction, and always great to know that you guys are listening and kind of thinking about these things. So yes, this is the third part of a Memorial Day mailbag that's going to be published on the Thursday after Memorial Day, whatever. I don't care that it doesn't make a lot of sense. We recorded it. It's still good stuff. This time we're going to be talking NBA draft. Uh, A lot of stuff there. Uh, We tried to cover a bunch of it with Cole. Some of the questions you guys gave us go back to some of the stuff we had with Cole, and then it goes into some other new topics as well. So uh, we'll talk NBA draft with the Bucks, and then we'll talk, I guess, in the coming days. Obviously, everyone saw that there were some names released for general manager. We'll talk about those in the coming days. I'm sure we'll probably hear some more over the weekend as well. So that's probably going to be a topic for the next week or so um, where we talk about it and try to figure out exactly what's going on there. But for now, part three, Memorial Day mailbag. Here we go. All right, well, moving over to draft stuff, uh, Phil Mayer. Meyer, Mayer, Mayer, Philip. Um, he asks, is Semi Ojale a potential fit for the Bucks at 17? A little early, but shoots it and is versatile on D. Um, we haven't really talked. We didn't talk with him about uh, Semi Ojale with uh, Coles Wicker last week, but he's an he's an interesting guy. I mean, a transfer from Duke, went to SMU, um, built like uh, a brick shit house, yep. <laughs> and uh, became a, a, a really good player, or at least showed us that he was a really good player last year. Um, and definitely an, an interesting uh, potential NBA prospect moving forward. And I, I would say, again, um, uh, 17 feels early for Semi Ojale, but um, you know he's one of those guys who, yeah, he could be an interesting NBA player. I adored watching SMU basketball this year. If, if you didn't get to watch SMU, they essentially decided not to have positions in, like, committed to it. I think their three or their five starters were I believe six five to six nine and all of them were pretty much just like wings and they were super athletic and they all could attack off the bounce and they didn't have like a true big and they were just this I don't even know, just 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 this strange wonderful basketball experiment and i was so far in on them in the tournament and just being like excited to watch them play basketball like i didn't pick them for a bunch of things not that my pick or bracket matters but like i was just excited every time i watched them play basketball and a lot of it was semi usually like he like he said is just a monster he's a specimen i think the biggest concern would be how man I guess my biggest concern would be, is he elite at anything? 
And is that a problem? Like, if he's just good at everything, like, that that could very much play at the NBA. And we talked about how you want to make sure you get guys that can play both sides of the floor. I would think that maybe you don't think he's perfect on offense or defense, but he can play both sides in the NBA and can just find a role. Like, whether that ever ends up being a starter or if it's just a bench guy, but he can come in and give your lineups flexibility. He can play with a bunch of different people. Like, I think that could be uh, very exciting. And I don't, I don't think this is a guy where you'd have doubts about his NBA body. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think he can play at the next level. Yeah, he's interesting. I mean, I think 10 years ago we would have said he was a classic tweener. Um, six, 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 seven and choose six, 10 wingspan, um, 241 pounds. Yeah. You know, kind of looks like a college four. um, who would have previously, we said, well, he probably needs to be a three in the pros. Um, but nowadays, especially on bench units, you know, if that shot stretches out and he shot 42% from three on five attempts a game last year, average 19 points, shot 53% on twos, uh, 79% from the foul line, uh, 6.3 attempts per game. So we got to the line a fair bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like the guy can play, right? And and I, so I think he's interesting in terms of could he be kind of like a you know rugged? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard kind of like Jay Crowder type type um, comparisons is is maybe like the best sort of upside. Like this is this is the the archetype for how he could be a really good NBA player. Um, so that makes some sense to me. But I don't know. Like Jay Crowder is really good in the NBA. I mean, he's a really valuable player. <laughs> yes, so it's, it's not like, uh, that's like a, a, like a low bar for, for semi Ojale to hit. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see. And I mean, he's still in block rates were really low. Um, which again kind of speaks to maybe like, maybe like his, <laughs> his ripped frame. He also had like a 35 inch, no step vert 40.5 inch max vert. Um, you know, physical freak in, in a lot of ways on paper. Um, does he play quite that freakishly? Uh, I don't know if he's quite that freakishly in terms of his play, um, but uh, I guess we'll see. And, and yeah, I would agree, you know, a stretch at at, at 17. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you never know a guy like this. Could, he could drop. Uh, he's 22 and a half years old, so he's, a you know, a bit older for a prospect as well, which a lot of times those guys do slip a bit. Um, actually, one other question, and I don't know if you had a chance to look at him. I think Cam Schwartz was asking us the other day about Isaiah Hartenstein, um, German, 19-year-old, um, Big man, six eleven. I think he's like a seven or seven feet. I think legit seven foot, seven two wingspan. Um, currently playing in Lithuania. Uh, kind of a weird story. He uh, his mom's American. His dad uh, is German. Uh, he spent a large part of his childhood in Eugene, Oregon. I think his dad actually might have gone to the University of Oregon. I think that's where his parents met, and then they moved to Germany. I think when he was like twelve or something, and so um, grew up playing in Germany and is a you know player on the the german uh, national team setup and um has been really really good in uh in sort of these u18 u16 so all these like you know sort of international junior type type settings um was pretty productive as well in uh in lithuania this year not in big minutes but but showed some flashes and an interesting guy he's got you know legit center he's like 250 pretty fluid played in the hoop summit as well was was pretty decent in the hoop summit game um and and i don't know i mean i think he's i think dx has him as like i think maybe like number 22 or something like that um i, I don't know have, have you seen much of him do you have an opinion on him otherwise i have a couple more thoughts on him um i haven't got to see a ton of him um so i'm just gonna defer to you because i no, i i have not watched enough of him quite yet yeah i mean i would say he's one of these guys who he's got 
I mean, he's got uh, he carries a fair bit of weight and he's still pretty fluid. Like I said, 250 moves pretty well, can get up off the floor off two feet. Um, blocks has blocked shots, you know, typically. He's a guy who likes to step out and shoot threes, but really hasn't been a particularly good three-point shooter or free-throw shooter. Um, and for that reason, he kind of reminds me a bit uh, of Donatus Matiunas. Um, and again, another guy who played in uh, Lithuania. He is Lithuanian, whereas um, uh, Hardenstein is, is German. But um, but kind of reminds me a little bit in a way that they're like kind of like big-bodied, but not necessarily like physically like super like strong physical guys. Like they kind of play with a bit more finesse. Um, you kind of watch like Hartenstein's look at some of his stats. Like I think he averaged almost four assists a game in the U18 um, European championships was generally really good. But I think he also averaged like five or six turnovers per 40. So he kind of like has, he can make great passes, but he also turns the ball over a ton and probably has a, an overly high view of his own jump shot. So it's kind of one of those guys where if he, if his sort of basketball IQ caught up with his skill set and his decision, you know, his decision making kind of improved, which for a 19 year old you would hope could be the case and you continue to physically mature, you can definitely see a good reason why this guy would be, you know, a really legit prospect, especially at only 19. But um, again, you know, every year you get guys who are kind of like that. Um, and, and it's tough. Like, you know, how does he compare at the same age? to what Nikola Jokic was doing. I think Jokic was pretty off the charts in terms of like his productivity. So you don't want to get caught in the trap of saying like, oh, he's the next Nikola Jokic. Well, Jokic is a total freak, right? I mean, like, I don't want to compare a guy like that to, to Jokic. Um, and I don't know. I mean, he could be Myers Leonard. Is anybody excited about Myers Leonard anymore? No. Oh, man, uh, that just made me sad. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and by the way, I'm I'm really failing at giving a cross racial comparison here. Um, so I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to think of like a non-white dude to compare him to, but um, I, 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 we're just gonna have to leave it at that. My my knowledge of uh, of Isaiah Hardenstein is not quite strong enough for that. But I think an interesting guy. I don't know if he stands out necessarily. Um, but actually, as while we're doing that, um, Michael Campbell asked. This sort of is like a general question. I don't know how strongly you you feel about this yet, but he, Michael writes, Frank, let's talk Bucks draft. Who do you like for the Bucks at number seventeen? And obviously, we we can put all the caveats we want about how we're not experts. We're still trying to catch up. Uh, are there any guys that at this point are are giving you maybe a little bit of a tingling sensation deep in your loins, Eric? Your draft loins. Are you getting a little bit excited about? You'd have just sort of like an instinctive excitement if you heard their names called at number seventeen on draft night. Or, or are you still sort of toes in the water only on these guys? I would prefer if you wouldn't talk about it like that. <laughs> um, that that would be the big thing for me. Um, I think just as a Bucks fan, a, a guy like uh, I'm I'm gonna kill his name, but Jonathan Jean, uh, I think that's obviously someone that's very interesting. Just because, again, you see. A seven foot two guy, you see a seven six, seven seven wingspan. Like that's a that's a freaky unicorn type body. I don't know if that means it's gonna be that type of player, obviously. Um so so that kind of excites me. Um over the weekend I tweeted out that Juwan Evans is starting to be someone that I'm very interested in, and I guess why is I just don't think the Bucks have had a point guard like him in so long. And I understand he's a sub six foot guy, but his wingspan is pretty good. Like I think his wingspan is six five, six six. Like his wingspan might be able to make up for that. And the Bucks just haven't had a guy 
that can just own in pick and rolls like that, that has that quickness, that can be just... Uh, to me, that seems like even even if he doesn't work out as a starter, like that guy... And again, they already have two backup point guards in the roster, so this isn't ideal. Uh, but he can be your backup point guard, come in, do some of that playmaking. He can function in the pick and roll. He can do a lot of things that I just feel like the Bucks don't really have much of on this roster. So um, I think, again, I don't know if that one excites me or if I'm just starting to talk myself into him, but uh, he's very intriguing to me. And we talked about the Oklahoma State offense was just incredible with him on the floor. And he was the whole reason why that all went. Um, and then I think the other one that is interesting to me is Harry Giles. Um, just because, again, that's a guy that had insane pedigree before injuries. Like, that was number one, number two guy in the entire class. And and this is a guy that has maybe that potential to be special. Again, we don't know what it'll be with injuries and if he can still be that guy after. But I think that's that's another spot where I'm pretty interested there. Yeah, I, I think the what Cole Zwicker talked to us about the other night, like when we were asking him at the end there about the kinds of players he looks for, you know, characteristics, things like that. Um, you know, one the, the thing that kind of stuck with me was Cole talked about looking for players who, who sort of fit the, the high upside archetype. And, um, you know, like what he mentioned Giannis, right? Like a wing initiating, you know, a, a guy who can basically initiate the offense and score and play make from the wing is, is just a super valuable asset because it brings so much defensive versatility as well. Um, and obviously you're not expecting to find Giannis in this draft. Um, but it, I think it is instructive to sort of think of like, you know, it, Picture like a good good outcome for that guy. Maybe not like the most perfect outcome for for an individual guy, but think about like a good outcome for that guy. And is that type of player, the type of player, especially what we're talking about with this Bucks team about you know having ambitions beyond just being a good regular season team, but being a team that you know you're looking for guys that you hope are going to be good rotation guys two, three, four years from now when you're hoping to to matter in the postseason. Um, and I think, you know, a guy, and, and obviously you hope that they maybe hopefully fill a need as well somewhat. Um, but I think the, the guy who, you know, isn't isn't one of like a, a top 10 lock, but the guy I seized on initially early in the process who now I just don't think is going to be available, but like the guy I like will irrationally hope falls is Donovan Mitchell, I think. We talked about him with Cole the other night. Um, you know, has kind of combo guard size. Um Looks like he he. I like struck, struck him out of my list. Like it, once yeah. Cole said that, I just got really sad and struck yeah. him out of my list. But yes, he's super exciting. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, just because he's athletic, seems like he can get to the rim, defend multiple positions, hopefully, um, and has enough potential, sort of as both a shooter and a playmaker. Not that he's particularly good right now in either one. Um, I think that's the kind of guy that that could fit really well on a, on a team like the box or just any team that you know is trying to sort of have that you know stylistic um, shooting plus defensive versatility right I mean that, those are kind of two, two big things. Um, I think of other guys who you know might be in the box range. Um, I, I still find OG Ananobi really interesting. Uh, you know Cole mentioned you know with Giannis just go out and try to find like two-way players um with with upside um and Anobi, i think is one of those guys i, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to shoot that that part it worries me a lot i mean if he thought he could shoot he'd be a lock for the top 10 who knows he might still go top 10 um but just his physical tools he plays with so much power and strength and th- there's just such a physical 
sort of base to work with um, that you could just see him being a guy that causes other teams problems like in the playoffs as you go along further and further. Right. Um, and again, um, I think he has a lot more, you know, offensive upside than a guy like Andre Robertson. I'm not going to make a Draymond Green comparison because as you said, that's stupid. Don't plan on anything. I mean, Draymond Green, but like, you know, if you had a guy like that who could defend and be versatile like Andre Robertson, but then also actually have some offensive skills, which Andre Robertson does not have, um, that that becomes really interesting. Um, other guys, I, I think Jean, uh, again, a center who's, you know, just got an enormous frame and has some evolving offensive talent. You know, could he be a stretch five who blocks shots? Again, not necessarily the biggest need on a team like the Bucks, but but a guy like that is interesting. Um and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're they're not necessarily a ton of guys in the first round that necessarily like really differentiate otherwise for me. Um, you know, I mean, as much as three and D guys are valuable, like Terrence Ferguson, like we were discussing with Cole the other night. I mean, if he just has no ball skills and low at basketball IQ, then how much upside does he have? Like, is his upside t- Tony Snell? <laughs> you know, what I mean, so um, granted, I mean, last year's Tony Snell. If you could get that guy in a rookie contract and have him become that guy pretty quickly, that would be valuable. But um, a lot of these guys, I don't know. Like when I see Jared Allen, I like Jared Allen for a while, but I feel like he's basically John Henson. And, you know, other guys like Luke Kennard, he's super skilled, but like Luke Kennard just seems like one of those guys who's going to just get exposed in the playoffs. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like you're just going to, you could play him off the floor. He's just going to be a guy that you're just going to try to like find and exploit constantly. And so unless he just becomes so good offensively, it just seems like, um, it's kind of tough, but anyway, those, that's just some, some thoughts. And I, there are a ton of other big guys. Um, but the guys who kind of give me pretty much like all the guys who have like major, like John Collins talked a little bit about him, like defensively, how does he project? I don't know. Guys like that kind of worry me, you know? Um, and, and I always sort of struggle because on the one hand it's like, well, you're not picking the guy there to be a superstar necessarily, but again, picking a guy who doesn't have a defensive ceiling that's, you know, let's just say at least passable, that that always worries me. And again, some of these guys are going to be a lot better than maybe scouts currently think they're going to be, but um, but that's sort of a little bit of what I'm thinking. Um, question uh, from Peter Nygaard. Should the Bucks trade up to snag Frank Nilekina? He's another guy that obviously we've struck from our list. Is Is there anybody, or is it, let me ask this. The Bucks under John Hammond never traded up. I think the last time the Bucks traded up in a draft was when they traded up to get Tractor Trailer in what was that, ninety seven or ninety eight or something like that. And obviously Dirk went with their pick a few picks later. Um, I don't know. Is it? Do you even? Is this even worth thinking about? Is there any scenario where you could see the Bucks trading up? We talked about before how it's probably an issue of anybody they'd want to give up isn't really worth it to the other team to, to kind yeah. of make up a difference? Is that sort of just what you're thinking there? I just don't think they have tradable assets. They, or I shouldn't say tradable assets. Like you can trade anyone, but I think it would be shocking for the Bucks to trade Giannis, Middleton, Brogdon, or Thon. And beyond that, what is attractive on this Bucks roster? And to move from 17 to the top 10, like feel like you got to have some juice, right? <laughs> like, there's got to be a little something behind that trade, and I just don't think the Bucks have it. Um, so, unless one of these teams is trying to 
I don't know, get rid of an ugly contract on their cap and give it to the buck. Like, uh, I just don't see a scenario where it could even exist. So, um, as far as it being worthwhile to trade up for some people, like, yeah, it might be. Like, I, as we've talked about with Cole, there's a clear top 11 to 12 in this draft. So, getting into that 11 or 12 would obviously be useful. I just don't think the, the Bucks have what what it would take to get there. So um, I'm not even sure I want to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that trading John Henson in the 17th pick moves you up in, in the draft. I mean, I, I, just, I don't think it does. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of those things. That it, I mean, it only takes one team, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to see. I mean, I, I think the one interesting thing, which I don't think the Bucks would necessarily do, but... You know, the interesting thought is with all these point guards, you know, if you're the Bucks, you have the 17th pick. If you have a team in the top 10 that, let's just say, doesn't love particularly those those guys that are available there, you know, could you do Brogdon plus 17? Is there a guy, like, is there a guy in that top 10 that you would be really interested in targeting uh, in order to to make that jump up to get your point guard of the future, I think that to me is the most interesting thing. And to be honest, I'm sure there's going to be guys in the top ten that will be way better than Malcolm Brogdon, and that's just the reality, probably. And again, not to diss Malcolm Brogdon, but um, man, but I think someone's going to send him all of our pods from this summer oh. and like clip all the stuff, and he's going to be <laughs> furious at us. But he no, but he's not going to be furious because he's the president and he's super, you know, just. Very Tom diplomatic, and, and he'll be very yeah. diplomatic about it. And he may be less interested in answering your questions next year, but whatever. I'm just a guy in Texas, so I I, I won't have any, uh, you know, any issues with that. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if 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 somebody offered you, if I don't know who, where are the Knicks picking seventh or eighth? If like Dennis Smith is available at number eight, let's say, and the Knicks are willing to take Malcolm Brogdon at number seventeen for you to move up and get Dennis Smith, who I think Cole, our friend Cole's wicker had as the number two or three pick in this draft and is really high on Dennis Smith as a, you know, a spread pick and roll point guard who can get to the rim and potentially shoot and do a bunch of other stuff. Maybe has some concerns on some of his attitude stuff and his defense, but um, has a definite high upside. I don't know. Based on the little that we know, like, do you think that's a, a worthwhile thing to consider? Or do you think like, eh, Roll the dice where you are. Mm, I think I'd probably do that. Like I, I think that that's that's high enough. Like I think that would be enough for me to. Man, oh god, I don't know. As I think about it, it it's really tough. I I think Brogdon. I think Brogdon's the only guy. I think Brogdon. I agree, and it's has to be, yeah. the only guy that like because if you moved in the top ten, whether it was Neil Aquina or or one of these other guys, I think Brogdon's the only. I mean, he's a guy that makes sense because he's he's your starting point guard. And he's young and cheap, but he's also not like you don't you're not so high on him that it's like, well, Malcolm Brogdon, he was going to be our starting point guard in the 2020 NBA finals. Right. Um, So I think that's the most I think that's the most obvious piece if you were to make a move. But again, I I think the Bucks love Malcolm Brogdon, understandably. And I I, I just don't know if that that'd be something they didn't want to do. So anyway, um. Let's see. Did we have any other questions? Um, Nate asked some undrafted guys you might like for the G League team. Um, good question. I I think they're going to be 
definitely guys that I mean we've talked about some of the names that we've seen in the latter half of the second round. Um, you know, whether it's Cameron Oliver or some of the point guards who are projected pretty late. Um, you know, like uh, uh, who, who are something? Cinderius Thornwell, not a point guard. He's projected at 61 and in, in DX's top 100. Um, you know, Nigel Williams Goss from Gonzaga, point guard. He's projected outside the top 60. Um, Sterling Brown, I think, is a guy that uh, Cole mentioned the other night. He's at 57. Uh, your guy Wesley Awundu, 53. Um, Josh Hart at 50. I mean, again. A lot of these guys will get picked in the top two rounds, um, and certainly some of them will be available when the Bucks pick at 48. Um, but they're definitely going to be guys that are interesting. That uh, I think I'm excited as you know, uh, given how much time we spent thinking about this stuff. Monte Morris, another guy at 66 on the DX top 100. Um, there definitely be some interesting guys, including probably some point guards who um, I, I'd be very interested in seeing the Bucks. You know, potentially bring in on a two-way contract for for the D League team. I think the two Wisconsin guys would be interesting for Bucks fans as well. In Nigel Hayes, I don't know if he's going to get drafted or not. I think some places will project him as a second rounder. Some places will not. Um, I think his package is is pretty damn intriguing. Uh, just as a guy that probably has the strength to cover a couple different positions, I think you could probably put him in the NBA and he could defend. For sure, four, probably two, three, four. I think he could do that. I think he's shown enough at Wisconsin that he could do it. It's a matter of whether or not he can have the egoless approach that would allow him to do those things and do the dirty work. But I think if he does that, I think there's a chance that he has a pretty solid NBA career because that, as we talked about, again, maybe his jump shot's not real, maybe he can't hit a free throw, but if he can defend three positions, that is a very valuable asset on your on your bench to bring there. And then uh, Bronson Koenig I think is interesting to me as well. Uh, if you're looking, again, for some reason I can always find backup point guards, um, but if you're looking for a guy that can shoot the ball, hit threes, has some creativity off the bounce and doesn't turn the ball over like that's every wisconsin point guard in the history of wisconsin point guards pretty much um so that would be interesting to me as well but yeah i I think there's a ton of guys that as you sort of look through the list you're going to say oh i remember that guy um i don't is tyler dorsey getting suggested as a second rounder i know that's a guy that uh, I don't know if he'll go in the second round or not. If he'll go undrafted, I think he's someone that's interesting. Obviously, he's he already has the Giannis connection a little bit. But, yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of interesting guys. And now that the Bucks actually have a, a G League team, um, now that they have a G League team, that is, is something that I actually have to look at and wonder. Uh, like, who who some of these guys could be and how they might fit in, in Milwaukee. Or I guess more accurately in Oshkosh. You you've seen a lot more of Nigel Hayes than I have. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I never would have thought he could defend twos. I mean, he's what does he weigh? Like two hundred forty pounds or something like that. He's a pretty big boy, isn't he? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think I think there's enough lateral quickness. Yeah, there that he could switch on. I, I, I mean, I think twos. the biggest problem for me is, I mean, offensively, what is he? He's a guy who needs the ball like isoed and in post ups and stuff like that. And I just he'll never get that in the NBA. I don't think. I mean, right? He's got to be able to like shoot threes. And do stuff off the ball, and I, I don't know. I just think that sure. he's sort of a, you know, kind of a. I don't know. It seems like the, there's been a number of guys like that at Wisconsin. I mean, um, like Alondo Tucker, like guys who are just sort of like 
undersized relative to undersized and didn't shoot well enough relative to their positions. Not that they were all the same position, but um, that that's just tough. You know, you, you, most of the time you have to be able to do stuff off ball offensively, obviously in the NBA to kind of stick it. Cause you're, you know, you're not going to be the focus of an offense. So. I don't know though. Nigel Hayes, seven, three wingspan. Like that's, those are legitimate arms. Yeah. But how many shots did he block? This is what I always struggle with. Nigel Hayes. He had like really interesting measurables and then, like, he didn't – I don't know. I just don't think he really particularly used them very well. I can see that. You know? Like, point four blocks. I don't know. 6.6 rebounds. I don't know. It just seemed like he always should have – like, he he weighed 254 pounds at the combine. Damn. He's a big boy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some physical tools, but then in other ways, eh, I don't know. But I do, I do like Nigel Hayes. I like his – I like the fact that he speaks his mind um, and, you know – I like the fact that that people have like questioned him for having the you know daring to speak out against like some NCAA stuff. So respect to Nigel Hayes. Um, I'm rooting for him. I'm just not necessarily that uh, that optimistic. But anyway, should we leave it there? This is this was probably part eight of this uh, mailbag sequence. <laughs> uh, As I'm looking at the at the clock right now. Uh, we are at two hours and thirty-five minutes. Right? Yeah. So. When when we started this, my wife was was just starting. She was on episode two of the uh, the OJ Simpson uh, TV series from <laughs> FX, and I was just like, oh, I'll catch yeah. up after like an episode. Um, it's no, over. She's it's probably over. done with it at this point. So I'm gonna have to watch that while I'm traveling. <laughs> All right, Frank. That this was fun. We should probably mailbag more often so that we don't have two hour and 30 minute mailbags but you know what that's okay it's the off season uh we can split this up and we'll we'll get it all up there hopefully you guys have enjoyed all of this and stuck around with us no matter how many parts there are if it's if it's eight or whatever it may be if this is two weeks from now happy you guys are getting to hear it um so that's gonna be it for us this has been locked on bucks i'm eric name that was frank madden we will talk to you i don't know at some other time because i don't know when this is actually going to drop so talk to you later